Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. How many people love your pastor? That was hopeless. How many people love your pastor? Come on, I'm telling you, he and Beck are doing a fantastic job, and it's uh, wonderful to be back with you. I've just got to say, if you are a local and you think spring has sprung but it's still a bit fresh in the air, you need to get a life. I can tell you, as a a Southlander down in Melbourne, uh, we are just loving uh, your weather up here in Queensland. It's just been a gorgeous couple of weeks that we've had, and uh, we've got a couple of our kids living up here with two of our grandchildren. How many people know when you became a grandfather, it's not about your kids, it's about your grandchildren? So when we come up here now, it's all about seeing the grandkids, and we've had a fantastic time, but uh, we head off down to Melbourne again tomorrow, and I'm told the temperature, top temperature tomorrow down in Melbourne is about 14 degrees, so I'm enjoying today, but I'm enjoying today not just because of the weather, but to be back with you and just to sense what God is doing, and uh, I want to jump straight into it really because I just felt the prophetic word uh, that Pastor Andrew had earlier on uh, was just so, so spot on, the heart of God for this morning. And uh, it just happens to knit so well uh, with the message that God's laid on my heart uh, for you this morning. And so I'm praying that uh, for each and every one of us, God is just going to speak something, something relevant, uh, that we can go out of this place just going, man, I needed to be there. I needed to sense the presence of God. I needed to catch that revelation uh, this morning. So I want to speak to you this morning about the God of the unexpected. God of the unexpected. Lots of times, if you had to fill in, you know, the, you know, what what is God to you? God is a God of. I mean, we could put lots of different words in there. Many of us would put, well, he's the God of love. He's the God of grace. I would say, you know, he's the God of salvation. He's the God of transformation. Uh, he's the God who's just able to do anything. He's the, the God of the victory. He's the God of the provision. And we would come up with all kinds of descriptions of he is the God of. But, you know... Many times, I don't think, I think we would leave out the fact that he is also the God of the unexpected. He's the God who'll do things in our life from total left field that we never, ever saw coming. How many can say amen to that? You're quiet. How many can say amen to that? That's better. <laughs> Lots of times the unexpected of God is is unexpected blessing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've just been totally blown away by God just pouring out favor, doing something so that I could never imagine to turn out to be so good. And and not that I've prayed about necessarily, not that I've sought, not that I've you know, hoped, but just bang, suddenly God just does something. I can remember as a, a new believer and as a, a young single man, um, you know, just just wanting a wife. And then one day I'm walking along the street and I see Sally, who now is my wife. She's walking the other direction. All I knew about her was that she was unsaved. She hated Christians. She'd been going out with another fella for two years. But I saw her walking up the street and God said to me, she's the one. She's the one you'll marry. Now, how many people know that was a little bit unexpected? But you know what? He was right. I can remember saying to God at the time, you're mad. Like she's, I told God her story because obviously he didn't know. 
He was obviously completely unaware of her and her life situation. So I reminded him of her situation and said, well, I'll tell you what, God, you do your stuff. And if she gives her life to the Lord and if she gets filled with the Holy Ghost and if she comes to church and if it just sort of works out, well, I'll marry her, no problems at all. But you've got a lot of work to do first. Well, how many people? He did it. An unexpected, total, unexpected blessing from God. And I could spend the whole morning we've got this morning telling you about unexpected blessings from God. Healings, finance, all kinds of doors opening, totally unexpected in my life. But, you know, sometimes the unexpected things of God aren't the things that we want to welcome in our life. Sometimes the unexpected that God allows to come in our life comes in the form of trauma comes in the form of the last thing we would ever think God would allow in our life. Sometimes the unexpected leaves us stunned and even challenges our theology. If God is a God of love and if God loves me, how could he allow this to happen? Sometimes the unexpected is not what we want, not what we can even comprehend in our lives, and yet God allows unexpected things. And one of the reasons He allows the unexpected is because when we are placed in the unexpected is when we have to dig deep into our faith. The reality is we don't grow as much on the sunny days as we do in the middle of a storm. Because in the sunny days, we just enjoy it and give thanks. But in the storm, we've got to learn to dig deep in our faith. In the storm, we've got to learn to stand up and stand and deliver and believe that God is able to bring us through whatever he's allowed. So I want us to just take a look at the story that comes of the prophet of Elijah. We're going to go to 1 Kings 17 in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, it'll come up on the screen. It has come up on the screen. The setting for this is that Elijah is like, he's God's good guy. Like, he's the man as far as the nation's concerned. He's the prophet. He's the good guy. But he's, he's ministering in a really challenging time for the nation. The nation is basically backslid. They've got a king, Ahab, and the Bible says Ahab did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, listen, than all the kings of Israel brought before him. Now, if you know anything about Old Testament, then you know that statement is huge because there were so many kings that did so many vile, evil things. But the Bible says Ahab was the worst of the worst and was married to Jezebel. And the Bible says she was even more, even more evil than Ahab. So the nation isn't in a good state. It's not a nice day over Israel. It's not a good day to be the prophet of God. But here we're going to jump in at verse 1, Kings, 1 Kings 17. And Elijah is basically coming to Ahab. And basically he's saying, I'm going to prove to you who the real God is. You've allowed so many false gods to get in the hearts of people, but I'm going to just demonstrate to you who our God really is. So verse 1 says, Now Elijah Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. Uh, if you've got a, a highlighter or you can somehow in your text, underline that. He did 
what the Lord had told him. We cannot move forward in a life of faith unless we understand the key is always just do what the Lord is telling you. You don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to have the end of the story. Just do what the Lord is telling you today and you will step into all the promises of God. He went to Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I don't know about you, but I think at this stage, Elijah is probably thinking, it doesn't get much better than this. (laughs) I think about it. He's gone to the king. He said, hey, no rain's going to fall and no rain did fall. He's obeying the word of the Lord. He goes to the live of the ravine and every morning and every night, it's not Uber. People think Uber was some great new invention. This is the first. This is the original. God says to ravens, go and feed my man. God doesn't need to work through what we think he has to work through. Sometimes we face impossible situations and we try and figure out how God's going to do it. God can send a raven. You think you've got a problem God can't answer? He he can answer any problem. He sends the raven and every morning and every night he gets fed by the raven and he's got water flowing in the brook. And I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, this is amazing. God is God and I'm the man. I've got provision. I'm showing that king who's like, it couldn't get any better. Have you ever been there? Have you been so blessed that you just am overwhelmed? Just thinking, oh, it's unbelievable. I was, I was such a wreck or I was here, I was there, but look what God has done. Ever been there? Of course you have. God is a God who does amazing things. But the incredible thing about this is something now terrible happens. Just while he's thinking God is good, 1 Kings 17, 7, sometime later, the brook dried up because there'd been no rain in the land. So one day, he's right in the middle of God's blessing and favor, right in the middle of all the miraculous provision of God, and the next day, the brook's drying up. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to the doctors and got a diagnosis you never expected? Have you ever gone home and there's no unity, it's just a lot of disunity? Have you ever gone to work and been told you're done, you'll be finished in two weeks and you walk out and you're unemployed? Have you ever gone to the accountant and all you see is red and no black? (laughs) You're honouring God, you're doing everything and suddenly, have you ever lost someone? Trauma, car accident, the suddenlies of God. He's facing a suddenly of God, an unexpected turn that he would never have prayed for, never believed that would even happen to him. We all can be there. In fact, God uses these moments like no other times. And the reality is we are not one of us is immune. Not one of us is immune. I used to have a terrible theology that if I just loved God with all of my heart, he'd protect me from bad things. (laughs) It's wrong theology. God allows us to go through it, as Pastor Andrew was sharing earlier on, because he knows that he can bring us through it. And the reality is, as he brings us through trials and he brings us through the unexpected, we don't come out the same. 
We come out transformed. We come out with a deeper revelation, with a deeper relationship. We come out with a deeper faith and a greater testimony than we ever had before we go through the unexpected. So what are the keys? How do we do it? What I love about this story is it doesn't end there. Let's read on, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called out, Oh, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, but first make me a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away, here it is again, and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. How do we, how do we respond when we're faced with the unexpected? That thing that just came out of left field that doesn't fit our theology, that's wrapped up in trauma and wrapped up in pain and wrapped up in confusion. How do we respond as believers? Can I tell you the first step is this, and it's very, very simple. We see this in the movies. We hear it in safety talks everywhere. The first step is this. Don't panic. (laughs) Don't panic. You're not the first. You won't be the last. It doesn't mean that God has left the throne. It doesn't mean that necessarily you've done anything wrong, fallen into sin, or someone's put a curse on you. The first rule always when the unexpected happens is simply do not panic. That's what I love about Elijah. He didn't have a hissy fit. (laughs) He didn't shake his fists at heaven. He just kept his cool. Do you know, sometimes our emotional reaction can actually block our spiritual reception. We can be so busy caught up having our little emotional reaction. Oh, this is terrible. And making sure we've got someone we can complain to and download all of that emotion. I'm not saying we, we don't go through the emotion, but we can't get too caught up in the emotion and not let emotion but turn into panic that blocks us from actually finding the answer in God. We um, just sold a house that we had in Melbourne. When we first moved in there, uh, it has an unbelievably, uh, I guess it was unbelievably effective uh, alarm system. The problem with it was when we moved in, I never really paid attention uh, about how to turn it off. And one day I was downstairs having had a little sauna and I was downstairs having a sauna. I love a sauna. I meet with God in a sauna. I just chill out. It's just wonderful. And so I was there down in the sauna chilling out and all of a sudden the fire alarm went off in the house 
And it's like going from a place of absolute bliss and totally chilled out to suddenly sheer panic with this fire alarm just screaming. The house had three levels. Every level had its own system, and they were all going mad. I'm telling you, I did not contain my emotions well. I ran around the house just I, – I knew where panels were, but I had no idea. I was just madly pressing buttons. I'm racing around the house downstairs. Sal's screaming down up from the top floor. Don't forget, in our background, we actually lost a house in a bushfire. Sally was in the house moments before it was burnt down. So she's got a past history of trauma with fires, and suddenly she's got the fire alarm going off. So she's running around madly, and then we meet halfway, and she's screaming, turn the thing off the – I don't know. It was absolute better. If you looked at this, you would not say, now there's a godly mature couple. <laughs> you, you would just say, wow, they are really wired people. Here's the thing. In all of that, Sal comes up with it. And says, I don't know what to do. She says, ring the builder. I thought, that's a brilliant idea. So with all the sirens going off and all that nonsense, I rang the builder and I said to the builder, the alarm's going off. He said, I can hear that. He says, how do I turn it off? He says, just press something or other, go over whatever the number was and off. And I raised down and I followed the instructions. You know what happened? The alarm went off. See, I learned in the middle of that, while you're panicking, you're not going to resolve anything. But just like I just needed to settle down and ring the builder, sometimes what we need to do is not panic, it's just settle down and ring the builder. <laughs> just settle down and say, God, I know you've got the answer. Speak to me. In other words, stay calm and call the Creator. I love Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we'll not fear, though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of sea, though its waters roar, the foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And verse 10, he says, be still. Know that I am God. It's a few things that we need to lock into our, our thinking whenever the unexpected comes, whenever that thing invades our world number one remember this god never changes he's the same our seasons change our circumstances change but god never ever changes the second thing is this nothing ever takes god by surprise there's never been a moment in heaven where he sort of whoa i didn't see that coming like Angels, is this you? Like what, what? Never in a million years, never since creation has God ever been caught by surprise, which means whatever is happening in your life, what's ever happening in my life has gone through the filter of sovereignty. If we understand that, if we truly understand God, I don't understand why, but I do know you have allowed this, then that's on the other side of that is an incredible level of trust. Because here's the third thing to remember. If he's allowed it, his plans for you, his plans for the church, his plans for us, they are plans for good and not for evil. Our God, the scripture says, is good and does good. So we may be in the midst of trouble, but God's plan is out of this trouble will come good things. And understand finally this, that every trial is always about trust. The issue actually is never ever the issue. 
the circumstance that we're in is actually not what God is trying to teach us. It's just the thing that God uses. Every trial ultimately is about trust, where God is simply saying, do you still trust me? Do you still trust me? Even in the sickness, do you still trust me? Even in the divorce, do you still trust me? Even in the financial challenge that you've got, do you still trust me? Even in the disappointment that you've got, do you still trust me? Even when people have betrayed you and people are doing stuff to you, do you still trust me? Every trial is ultimately always about trust. So the first thing is don't panic. The second thing is wait for your word. Wait for the word. The brook dries up, verse 7. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath. Do you know, the worst thing we can do is not wait and try and fix things in our own strength. It's what I call going into Ikea mode. As a male, if I buy Ikea... I really don't need those instructions. (laughs) I see the little dots on the thing, and I've got this figured out. I can sort of, like, I'm pretty good. I've been around. I know things. I can do things. Well, you, you try and do IKEA without the instructions, you're in serious trouble. And a lot of the times, what we try and do is not wait for the word, but look at a situation and say, I know how to fix this. It's like Abraham. He has a word from God, a long-term promise from God. I'm going to give you offspring, but it wasn't happening. And he's getting old and he's panicking. He's thinking, what am I going to do? And so you know the story. Instead of giving birth through his wife, he gives birth through his maidservant. And we have someone called Ishmael and we have trouble for eternity because of it. He didn't wait for the word. He actually thought, I think I can fix this myself. And the reality is we've got to learn. No, 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 no. Wait for the word. Wait for the word. And the beautiful thing about God is he always brings his word right when we need it. I didn't say right when we want it. I said right when we need it. And how many people know sometimes the difference between when we want it. (laughs) I should leave the building. (laughs) And when we actually need it and get it, can be very big, very, very big. And what you have to fill in the gap is this thing called trust, is this thing called faith. When you say, God, even though I can't hear you right now, and even though you may not be speaking to me now, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to take control in my own world, in my own strength. I am going to wait. Many times we are just so, so, so impatient We think, you know, we need it now, but God has got the plan all figured out. And sometimes if we get our answer when we want our answer, it's going to end up in a big mess because God is wanting to do things in us that will qualify us to walk in the next season that he already has set out for us. Psalm 48 verse 1 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. In the city of our God is holy mountain. And if you read the psalm, I encourage you to do that. It goes on and describes God. It says God is beautiful. God is strong. God is almighty. God establishes his city. God defeats all of his enemies. And then it says this, For this God, that strong, beautiful, victorious God, this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide even to the end. 
Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. God is committed to leading us. God is committed to guiding us. God never, ever abandons you. No matter what the unexpected is, God is right there with you. And when you need it, you will receive your word. He knows the plans that he has for you. And he will not abandon us. I've got to stop there for a moment because someone here this morning needs to hear this so clearly. He will not abandon you. Your word is on its way. Your God is committed to being your guide. And you will not be the first person in all of history that God abandons. You will never be able to stand before heaven and say, God, I didn't know what to do and you abandoned me. You will not because he is your shepherd. And the shepherd knows sheep. And he knows exactly the moment to direct and the moment to guide. But we often struggle feeling that we've been abandoned. <laughs> My wife and I had a great privilege to go to Israel. And we had a fantastic guide. And uh, he would shepherd us around through all the crowds and all the different buildings. And it was an incredible experience. But I remember one morning he took us and uh, he took us to this incredible crowded um, courtyard sort of area where they had food vendors and things. And uh, it was milling around with people and it was, cr- it was overwhelming. But we thought, thank God we've got a guide. And, uh, but then he came out with something he hadn't done before. He said, look, I'm just going to leave you here and uh, I'll be back in about 40 five minutes so just go and get your falafels or your whatever's over there and uh, and i'll be back and he disappeared into the crowd and so for the first time while we'd been there in jerusalem we were just abandoned and we're looking around and, I, and i'm telling you the first you know 10 minutes 15 minutes cool this is all right no worries he'll be back and then we're watching the clock and i'm watching the crowd and the crowd's getting bigger and bigger and more chaotic and i'm thinking you know if he doesn't come back i haven't got a clue how to get back to the hotel I'm looking at my wife thinking, I think I've brought over to, we're going to die in Jerusalem. Like this crowd, and you're looking at the crowd, and you, you know how you get paranoid? You're looking at the crowd thinking, oh, watch out for that one. And then you've got, the, like, I'm telling you, it got really sort of stressful, and he was a little bit late. He didn't come back right when he said he would come back. And so we were all sitting, there's a group of us, and we're sitting there, and we're all getting anxious, thinking, what are we going to do? Like, does anyone know? Like, we're going to tell like, It was anxious, but, you know, he came back. He came back and he was happy as Larry. <laughs> and we're sort of like, where have you been? <laughs> but he came back. Why? Because he was a guide. And God is exactly like that, that we go through all of that stuff, but God's, God's going to come and we bring your word just when you need it most. But what he's looking for is when he comes, what will he find in your heart? Will he find terror? Will he find, God, why have you abandoned me? Or will he find a heart that is at rest and a heart that is saying, God, I'm not going to move until you came. You ask me, I'm going to wait for my word. You might say, as the prophetic word came earlier on, you might say, well, I don't think God's talking to me. I can't sense God right now. Can I give you some other advice? Number one, whatever you are feeling in your emotions, never stop praying. Never stop positioning yourself. Never stop going to that place where you're just saying, God, here I am. Let him know your request, but at the same time be able to say, God, here I am. Would you speak to me? Would you let your peace rule in my heart? Would you guide me? Second thing is make sure that we are reading the word. Make sure that you keep worshiping. Make sure that you keep coming into the house of the Lord. You know, the worst thing we can ever do when we're in the unexpected and we're in our trauma is to be able to say, you know, I don't think I can come to church. 
you're struggling with so many things, you're wondering about what people will say, you're wondering whether you know, anything's going to happen for you in the service. And, and sometimes the temptation is just to isolate, that the worst thing we can ever do in our unexpected moments is isolate. What we need to do is be able to say, God, I need you now more than ever before. And when we come together, that's exactly when God can bring a word that we weren't expecting in that time. And make sure that you always stay in that place of openness to him. I'm going to invite Naomi to come on the keyboards there. Because that always gives you hope, doesn't it? When the keyboards start playing. You start thinking, oh, he's going to wind up soon. He's going to wind up soon. I know how it works. I've sat in your seat for years. <laughs> you think he's going to stop. But then some of you realise, no, this part can go on a long time. <laughs> so number one is don't panic. Number two is wait for your word. Number three, though, is when your word comes. Be ready to step into it. Be ready to step into it. See what a crazy word God gave Elijah. Go and you'll find a widow. A widow's going to provide for you. Now, in the natural, I'd be thinking, cool, she must be rich. <laughs> like a rich widow. <laughs> Fantastic. Probably got a spare room, spare Ferrari. Something, wow, this is awesome, a rich widow. No, no, it wasn't a rich widow, it was a poor widow who was about to die. <laughs> but God says, no, that's the one I've chosen. God will use sometimes the most unexpected people in our lives. When God wants to join us together to bring an answer, don't you start getting picky. Don't you start thinking, no, it wasn't, no, not, no, not her. Not, not him, not that church, not that worship, not that pastor, not today. <laughs> no, no. If God is speaking, all we've got to do is step. He speaks, we step. <laughs> he speaks, we step. We don't step back and go, I don't know about that. No, no, no. If it's God, we step into it because every Every forward movement in our lives of faith are always steps of obedience. Whether that's baptism in water, whether that's stepping into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether that's tithing, whether that's serving, whatever it is, every step has got to be a step of faith that allows God to pour out more into our lives. So he says to Elijah, okay, go to the widow and then it says to the widow, I want you to take that last little thing that you've got and I want you to cook me a cake. Now, again, if you're the widow, think about it. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I ha I've got a plan for this and God hasn't done much for me lately. I'm dying and this is our last meal and you want me to take a step of faith? Like, wrong day, buddy. But what does she do? She catches the wet, the word of the Lord. And she goes, this doesn't make sense, but I think God's in it. Don't you love those moments when it doesn't make sense, but something in your spirit goes, I think it's God. I think it's God. I love those moments. Those moments take us into our destinies. Didn't make sense when God told me, that's your wife. But it's like, really? 
really? We've been married now for, oh, this is when I need her. Uh, <laughs> I think it's 41. Anyway, please don't tell her. <laughs> I think it's 41 years. Uh, we have five beautiful children. We have uh, 10 grandchildren. And we've seen God provide and come through in so many ways. But we have faced fires where we've lost everything. We've faced cancer. We've faced one of our kids losing her marriage through no fault of her own. We've faced the unexpected. We've faced terrible things. But God in the midst, God in the midst never abandoned us. And we learned this is not, this is not some fancy little preaching to me. This is life for all of us. So I want you to stand to your feet if you would. I wonder, can we bring the rest of the team out? Have we got time to do this, Pastor Andrew? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to sing that song that, that we sang before, something about again and again, I'll praise you again and again. I'll lift up my hands again and again. And uh, I, I just feel God wants to take it a little bit further. Pastor Andrew, <coughs> you know, he, he prayed and said, listen, if you're in that tough spot if you're in that place where you're wondering is God there um, he prayed and we sang this and advised you to lift your hands but I want to ask you to take another step and that is just to come out the front and uh, I'll be here I want to pray for you and I'm going to invite the rest of the team to come and to pray uh, because I believe that something miraculous happens in a moment of faith where we're joining our faith and we lay hands on one another and there's a divine impartation of faith that comes in those moments. There's a humility to it that just says, God, yeah, here I am, here I am. And I'm believing this morning that, you know, I said during the message, your word is on its way. I can say that without any hesitation of doubt because I know the character of God. He will not abandon you. Your word is on its way. But in between, in between the word coming, God is asking the question, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And if your answer to that this morning, if you're in that hard place is yes, I trust you. But God, I need to sense you. But God, I need an impartation. God, I need an assurance this morning. Then this altar call is for you to come and simply to say, God, I am coming again and again and again. And we can lay hands. We're going to pray on you. We're going to believe for an assurance and a confidence that when you leave this place today, you'll be able to say, my God, I'm glad I went to church this morning because I got something from the Holy Spirit that is going to hold me in this time of trial that I'm going through right now. So we're all going to sing this as Naomi and the team lead us. If you've wanted that prayer this morning, I want to invite you to slip out of your seat. Come and let us pray for you this morning. So come on, don't hesitate, don't be shy, don't wonder what the person next to you is thinking or doing. Where's my bottle?
I'll praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much I'm nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing thought we sometimes are afraid of the unexpected I remember hearing great men and women of God when I was a young believer talk about the trials they'd been through I think oh God I hope none of that ever happens to me like, I want to serve God. I want to make a difference. I want to be a... But, I, oh God, I don't want to go through that stuff. Can you imagine what would have happened if the brook had never dried up? If the brook had never dried up, the prophet would have always remained hidden. So the one who was supposed to declare the word of the Lord would have been silenced would have been hidden, would never have fulfilled his destiny. If the brook had never dried up, that widow and her son would have cooked their last meal and died. But because the brook dried up and because of the faith of the prophet and the faith of the widow, the prophet went on to declare God's purposes. The widow and her son and others around about were beneficiaries of miraculous provision so rather than being afraid when the trauma comes when the unexpected comes we need to have a posture that says you know on the other side of this I'm going to be stronger on the other side of this God is going to be glorified on the other side of this people are going to be reached I don't know one trial that I have been through that hasn't resulted in God's glory that hasn't resulted in people going back, wow, really? God took you through that and God did that, all of these things because of you went through, you believe, yeah. If the brook doesn't dry up, the prophet is quiet, people die. But if we go through a trial in faith, I'm telling you, life gets so much bigger, so much more wonderful. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.